You're listening to the American Indian Indigenous Peoples Truths. Justice for All, the most dangerous show on radio. WPFW 89.3 FM, Washington. You may have noticed that everything an Indian does is in a circle. That is because the power of the world always works in circles and everything tries to be round. In the old days, all our power came to us from the sacred hoop of the nation and as long as the hoop was unbroken, the people flourished. The flowering tree was the living center of the hoop and the circle of the four quarters nourished it. The east gave us peace and light, the south gave us warmth, the west gave us rain, and the north with its cold and mighty wind gave strength and endurance. The knowledge came to us from the outer world with our religion. Everything the power of the world does is done in a circle. The sky is round and I have heard that the earth is round. Like a ball and so are the stars, the wind and the greatest power world. Birds make their nests in circles, for there is the same religion as ours. The sun comes forth and goes down again in a circle. The moon does the same, and both are round. Even the seasons form a great circle in their changing and always come back to where they were. The life of a man is a circle from childhood to childhood. And so it is in everything where power moves. Our teepees were round like the nest of birds, and these were always set in a circle. The nation's hoop, the nest of many nests, where the great spirit meant for us to hatch our children. Welcome to the American Indian Indigenous Peoples Truths, Justice for All, the most dangerous show on radio. 
WPFW 89.3 FM, Washington. Today I'm honored to have uh, one of my brothers from the Diné Nation and a good friend. But let me tell you a little bit about who he is. His name is Kelvin Mockingbird. Kelvin Mockingbird is a Native American flute virtuoso. For 26 years or more, he has been telling the medicine stories of the Diné, or Navajo people. He's recorded over six albums as Burning Sky and very proud to have released Moons of the Meditation. Sacred Fire albums within the 2006 era, which was nominated in 2003 for Best Native American Album and coming home with several awards from the Native American Music Awards, as well as the Flagstaff Music Awards. My brother Calvin has made many great strides into telling the stories of his people through music. I would like to introduce my friend and my brother, Calvin Mockingbird. Calvin, welcome to the show, and thank you for being on with us today. Oh, thank you, brother. It's really good to hear those drums on your uh, opening entrance there. Oh, absolutely. Where would we be, where would we be without our drums? <laughs> yes, the heartbeat. And, and to hear the singing, I, I miss the gatherings and the ceremony, but um, I take this uh, time very seriously and uh, remain home during this time, mm-hmm. using our technology to uh, keep in communication with my family and uh, friends and uh, people all over the world. Absolutely. Kelvin, you've been doing this for quite a long time now. What has been some of the most satisfying experiences that you had with playing that that Native American flute, or should I say, loving the flute? Yes, in my language, we call it gesneha, which means the voice or the voice of your spirit, the voice of your soul. And uh, there's a story of uh, learning how to make the, the instrument. Mm-hmm. I think that those stories are very close to me. I mean, they, they uh, uplift me every time I tell them or I hear them again. Um, and then every tribe has their own story, just like um, with any ceremony that is important. And those stories have to be told the same way, you know, to keep it as it is. So it always affects you as a spiritual, sacred story. But I really enjoy meeting people. Um, I do uh, gatherings here in Sedona where they they can uh, meet me in person and we go on a medicine walk. Mm. We sit down and find a location and we sit down and we talk. And uh, some people go through um, very emotional times of their lives during their mornings or uh, maybe personal things that are happening to them, whether if they're in illness or if they're uh, if they have a, a new addition to the family. Right. So they sit down and they get my point of view of what what different dreams may mean or different things may mean, um, the meaning of different things that happen through their journey of life, through my teachings of um, being raised on the Navajo reservation, through my uh, my relatives. Who were uh, of the medicine people? So, what 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 community on on uh, Navajo did you grow up in? 
I grew up in a small town called Pinion, Pinion, Arizona. Right. There's a there's a sign there that says where the highway ends and the wild west begins. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just in Arizona a few months back uh, before this COVID nineteen hit, and uh, I didn't get a chance to get over to Navajo. I was in uh, Green Valley, Tucson, Phoenix, and uh, I. You know, I had a short period of time that I was there, but I am coming back to Arizona once this this uh, this COVID nineteen thing is over, and um, and I would like to sit and visit with you, brother. Yeah, I would like that. Um, we I believe that uh, we open our doors back for business on May fourteenth or fifteenth. I saw that somewhere on the uh, the internet, but who knows? You know. All right. So. Um, mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You go ahead. I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. So I, I take this very seriously. So, you know, even if you have a strong immune system and you may carry it and not be sick, you know, you could still pass it on to someone. That's that's just basically how viruses work. So someone with a disabled immune system could easily get sick and hurt and die from it, including the elderly people or, or the young newborns, you know. So it's very important to follow these rules. That have been placed upon us. Right. You know, I I was talking to uh, some of my my sisters and brothers down there on Navajo uh, about this Corona uh, pandemic that's hit there. You know, there are many stories on how it happened, but one of the stories in particular is uh, this 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 minister, this this uh, um, Christian minister, came down and he was sick. And that's how a lot of that started. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I talked to my mom about that. My mom actually brought up the conversation saying that uh, a preacher from the Nazarene uh, Church of Church, the Nazarene, Church of the Nazarene, yeah, on March seventh, came down from Mesa, Arizona, and uh, was coughing and giving you know a, a sermon and got a lot of people sick that day. You know, she, she said, you know, this, this is what happened. They, she was saying they want us off of our land. Right. They want to run us thin is what she was saying. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's emotionally, it's really affecting everybody, you know, to see their loved ones passing away, to see them sick, you know, brings back old memories of the blankets that they shared, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They offered those blankets as gifts, and they had another motive to get rid of our people. And uh, one, of the, one of the, my friends down there on Navajo was telling me that we called him the walking blanket. <laughs> it's true. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at uh, a couple of your albums, Sacred Fire is one of them. Uh, what, what tune off of that do you, do you really want us to hear today? Oh, the Healing of Hand. Ah. The Healing of Hand is a very good one. Um, okay. One of my personal favorite songs out of all my albums. All right. And um, an uplifting one next to that would be Dance of the Butterfly Badger Girl. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, I used to play that one uh, a couple years ago as a regular cut on my show, and a lot of people call me, what's that song? I say, what do you mean, that message? No, the song, I said, the song is a message. And um, a lot of people kept begging me, 
where can I get it and what's the name of the album? So if, if, if there was a spike in the sale of that back then, you know who's responsible for it, your brother, right? Yeah, I'll send you a percentage. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, brother. Sure. So let me ask you this, Kelvin. How did you how how did you find the flute? You know, what what was you know, I know the flute is not just something you pick up, you know, it has to come to you. How did, yeah. how did it come? Uh, to that's a good story. When I was 14, the first time I heard the flute was on um, a CD by my uh, my clan uncle, mm -hmm. whose name is Carlos Raymond Carlos Nakai. Oh, RC and, RC is your is your uncle. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know at the time, you know. Uh huh. But through through playing the instrument, I got to know him pretty well, and uh, you know, found out he was my uncle through Clan. Uh -huh. So I just had been hearing it on the the, uh, the recordings or through KTNN through their radio station. Uh -huh. And the first time I really heard it in in real life was uh, at the mall in Flagstaff. Yes, Flagstaff has a mall. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And so I think it was Earth Day or Indigenous Day. They had a stage set up there. Robert Tree Cody was playing. I could hear it throughout the mall echoing, and it touched my heart. Mm -hmm. So nothing else mattered to me. I just need to hear where this, see where this music was coming from. So I followed the music throughout the mall and came to where the stage was set up. And Robert Tree Cody was playing, and my uncle Irvin So was playing too. Uh -huh. And he's a medicine man. In from Tuba City, but I, I believe he's in Oregon right now. And they were playing, and um, I just closed my eyes, and I could feel every note vibrating through my body. Mm -hmm. So it really touched my heart, you know, brought back some old memories that I've never experienced before. Right. And uh, when they got done playing, they'd take their, their break. I brought them some coffee and spoke to my uncle. I said, you know, I, I'd really like to learn how to play this instrument. You know, it really touches me, I said to him. And he said, well, we have to do a trade. Uh, I'll make you a, a flute, a woodwind, but you have to make something for me as well. So we trade that way. So it's in a good way. Yeah. He said. Uh -huh. if, it really, if it really means something to you, you have to respect me and my creation and this creation itself. And then I teach you the story how to take care of it. I said, okay. So two weeks later, I made him a grass dance outfit, my mom and I. Ah. I was 14 at that time. Okay. I was already initiated into the uh, Northern Tribal uh, powwow style of dancing mm -hmm. through Nelson Begay, my other uncle, uh -huh. who's also a medicine man from Low Mountain area of uh, Navajo Reservation. And so I went to this powwow and I met my uncle Irvin over there during the powwow. We were dancing, you know, we're having a good time. And then in the evening time, around lunchtime, uh, we meet up. And um, I gave him his outfit huh. with both my hands, and he took it. And he gave me the flute with both his hands to me. And he said, breathe it in four times so it enters your body, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I breathe it in, and we do a prayer. And then we sit down and we, we talk and he tells me the story 
And before he leaves, I say, uncle, you forgot one thing. And he turns around and says, what? I said, you forgot how to teach me how to play it. (laughs) (laughs) And he looks at me and he laughs and he says, that is your lesson. My son, he says, that is your lesson. He said, if I teach you how to play it, you're playing my song. But if you teach yourself to listen to your heart, that's your song, he said. And the rest is history, right? Well, after that, actually, uh, that evening we came back to Flagstaff, where we were living at the time, uh, because my mom lost work with the BIA uh, schools on the reservation. So the only work we could find was in in, uh, the border town, Flagstaff. Right. So we we lived, we uh, moved, uh, we went back home to Flagstaff. And that evening I I, uh, stayed in my room and tried to learn how to play it, blowing through it softly and moving my fingers back and forth. And it was very frustrating for me. Second night, same thing. Tried to practice all that day again, all that evening. Third night, by the fourth night, I became frustrated, so frustrated I just put it back on the wall again and looked at it. And I went to sleep that night, remembering, you know, I the prayer that I did for it. Creator, please bless me with this instrument. I feel it, you know, mm-hmm. it's around me. I, I feel it within me. Um, and I remember waking up that night and the room was dark, but I woke up by the bouncing, something bouncing off of my face, my nose. And I woke up and I, I remember pushing whatever it was away from me, off my face. And I was light as a feather, but it, it, it was light as a feather. And I opened my eyes and I looked around and I noticed that it was the ceiling. Ah. That was bouncing off my face, and I looked mm. down, and I could see myself sitting on the floor, cross-legged, and there was this beam of light shining on me. And I looked at, and I just watched myself, and I was playing the flute, and I remember hearing everything. I I watched. I probably was watching for like forty minutes, and the next thing I knew, I was waking up, and it was morning time. Mm. And I picked up the flute off the wall. And from what I remember and feeling that night, I just picked it up and started playing it. And that's the way I've been playing it ever since. I have a special message to all of you, my sisters and brothers, members of the human family that are listeners and supporters of the American Indian Indigenous Peoples Troops, and those of you that are supporters of WPFW. Although we are going through this pandemic, WPFW is not broken. However, we need your money to help us stay on the air and keep it running. So please go to WPFWFM.org or call 800-222-9739 or 202-588- 9739. Those numbers are again 800 9739 or 202 9739 and make a financial donation to your station, our station. So go to your phone or your computer and make that pledge now. Thank you.
Okay, look, we're going to go through one of your cuts off of, um, off of the CD, Sacred Fire. And I want, uh, I want my listeners to hear it. And that was Kelvin Mockingbird from his CD, Sacred Fire. The title of that tune, The Healing of Hand. Okay, Kelvin, explain that to me. How did that happen? And, you know, how did that come to you? Before I came into the studio, I had a band called Burning Sky. Uh-huh. Aaron White, John Katz, uh, Michael Bannister. And uh, we did an album called Spirits in the Wind. And that was just Aaron, myself, and John Densmore from The Doors. Right. Uh, Densmore, and then we also performed with um, Into the Earth, another album, with two other friends of ours uh, from the Gin Blossoms from Phoenix. They had a pretty popular band back then, too. So um, Burning Sky, we had been playing for, I think we released like six albums. And we had uh, basically was all instrumental, but we did like some reggae songs, uh, a Simple Man album. We had um, a song called Simple Man that was a, a, an awesome reggae tune um, with um, Martha Redbone. And uh, she'd done uh, some vocal songs on there with uh, Aaron and ourselves. Um, but we had been playing for such a long time uh, that uh, people were asking for, requesting for a solo flute album. And I wasn't secure enough in my own body to, to do that. Uh, uh-huh. I was used to playing with the band during that time, although I did start out as a solo instrument, uh, instrumentalist. But I, I didn't have the uh, security. I guess I wasn't really prepared for that. But um, the healing of hand had always uh, been something that I, I would do during our performances. We would start out with the healing of hand and uh, go into the band music. Or, or I would uh, do like a an instrument, uh, uh, sorry, a solo during our um, uh, music catalog that we'd play that day or those evenings. And I'd do like a solo, that including the dance of the Butterfly Badger Girl. Right. And so it was already written. I just hadn't recorded that in such a long time. But the healing of hand to me is uh, the hand tremblers in, in our dinette culture we mm-hmm, have different mm-hmm. types of medicine men one of them is a hand trembler and th- those are the ones that prognose the illness of that person and then recommend a medicine man that they go to to, to heal them from it 
Right. So they would, what they would do is they go into a meditation as they're sitting in front of you or they walk around you and they hold a crystal and they use their right hand and they look over your body and they see where the illness is at or what type of illness that is. Now this hand trembler is not to be copied by anybody, uh, regardless if you're Diné or Cherokee or Philadana, white, uh-huh. whomever, you know, it will bring illness to you if you don't know how to use it. That's right. So it's very important that this, this, this type of power, or I wouldn't, I shouldn't call it power, this type of healing comes from a certain animal. I'm not going to name anything. I'm not going to give any information out, but this comes uh-huh. to the person uh, for them to obtain that healing power. So any of our medicines is not to be played with. No, no. Or practiced as a toy. Yeah. Mm-mm. Just to let that out, because I know there's a lot of people who are doing that yeah. to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. Especially here in Sedona, you know, I'm not going to name any names. Okay. I have, you know, in my life met a hand trembler and amazing people, amazing people. Uh, and what they do is a gift from the creator. I've been sick in the past, too. I've had to deal with cancer four times, but never oh. u- never used the white man's medicine. Uh, it was always the medicine from our people. And I got mm-hmm. well. I got well. And you mentioned a person that's very close to me, Martha Redbone. She's like a sister yeah. to me. She's like a sister to me. Heron Aaron. I've been knowing her yeah. for, for a long time. How did you all hook up? How, how did Martha Redbone hook up with your band? How did that happen? I think she was working on an album in Phoenix at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had word that she was in town and really wanted to meet with her. So we had lunch and Aaron and I sat down and we talked to her and just basically gave her a proposal. We said, if you marry us both, we'll uh, give us give you all our money. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> uh, we, the proposal was like, uh, we had this song, which is in a reggae formula, uh-huh. and we'd like for you to uh, sing on it. Maybe do the second and fourth verse, or maybe do the fourth verse together, you know. Mm-hmm. And she was very curious about it, and she said, "Okay, well, give me the lyrics and send me the song, and maybe tomorrow we can sit down and record it." So she was really open to it. And it was really, you know, very kind of her to do to be open to that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was our our meeting with her, and uh, came very close friends after that. She's an amazing woman, a beautiful singer. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Quite an amazing voice. And her husband is a very gifted and talented musician as well, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said with the COVID-19 shutting everything down, what are you doing to stay in touch with your audiences? We've done a couple of, uh, well, myself and uh, my friend Renick Turley, who's also a video photographer, musician here at Sedona. We've done um, some live uh, performances. We're working with a group here called um, the Tribe Wellness Group. Okay. And uh, facilitating their facility to do these live streams in their studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're writing some new music. 
Um, and hopefully we get this out here pretty soon. Uh, although it takes a little time because everyone is uh, in stress of this COVID-19 dealing with the um, businesses. A lot of them had laid off their employees or they're down to a few employees. So it's hard to get through in touch with like BMI to uh, get the music copyrighted mm-hmm. and, and, and just businesses like that, you know? So um, just working from home, recording stuff from home, writing from home, composing, um, we don't meet really too much, but when we have to, as if we have to record, like we had at the very beginning, we had been recording from home and just, uh, looking at each other through our phones, you know, uh-huh. and, and hearing each other's music through our phones, uh, headphones and through our phones. And then, uh, we decided that after the two weeks was up that we could, come together but we kept our distances as we sat in the studio you know so that kind of stuff it it was um new to us you know not being able to like shake hands or hug each other right so let me let me ask you this when we do come out of this pandemic you know i've heard from other medicine people out here and up in new york that this COVID 19 is nothing compared to what we're going to be hit with in the fall. Have you heard any of those prophecies? I heard that if there's going to be a second wave. It seems like uh, more than anything, a pandemic than a pandemic. Yes, yes, yes. Like I said, you know, out on the reservation, this pastor came out sick and not believing that it was anything serious. Even when they took him to the hospital on his way back home, because he was getting sick more and more during that that day, uh, he wasn't even wanting to uh, believe that he was succumbing to the sickness. He didn't want to wear a mask, um, was, didn't believe that it was anything serious, uh, or maybe he did, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've heard so many people in Indian country speak out about this mess and especially about what this president has not done for Indian country or refuses to do for Indian country uh, funding for Indian health services seems to be lying dormant and just him recognizing what the effect is going to have on not just our people but all of the people that live within the United States of America. And I, I don't know what to say, you know. Um, but this, this one particular medicine man from the Onondaga people told us 12 months ago, a year ago, that this was going to happen the beginning of the year. And that's when it happened. So somebody up there in that White House or in that yeah. America, they knew something. But yeah. they were so slow to take action. And it, it only... It only makes me believe that they had planned this. I mean, and then look what they did. They sent us these, they brought us these blankets, these uh, gifts that were supposed to be. But inside was a deadly enemy, smallpox. And then you mm-hmm. had the Spanish flu, and then you had the SARS and the HV, uh, the, uh, the AIDS virus and all of this. And each time, it appears that people, brown and red people, 
are always the ones that have the most casualties and deaths. What's what's your what's your heart telling you about that, brother? Well, <clears throat> I think that um, it affects everybody. I mean, I I'm probably going to get a lot of uh, hate mail for this for saying this, but from what I understand or what I feel is that you know there there's uh, a lot of people who are unemployment. There's a lot of poor people. There's a lot of uh, sick people that they're paying for insurance and medical expenses for meaning the government. You know mm-hmm. that they want to you know, take care of this clean house per se, mm-hmm. um, sadly. Uh, so why not release a, a sickness that only affects those people who have the uh, immune system uh, compromised yes. or, you know, they, they don't have a way of healing themselves or their immunity is being compromised. True. And also, also with this closure of the entire nation of businesses, you know, kind of clears out the middle class people. Uh, so there's only the poor and, and the super wealthy, you know. So the, that that those two factors um, kind of make sense to me and how this is being taken care of. You know, I've also have heard from other medicine people that Grandmother Earth is just tired of the abuse that uh, has been placed upon her. They, they take the oil out of her. That's the blood. They mm-hmm. pollute the air. Uh, there used to be paper bags at grocery stores, and they replace them with uh, plastic. And now there's a plastic pandemic. The oceans are clogged up. Animals are dying. And, you know, when we really stop and look at it, I believe that Grandmother the Earth has gotten enough of it, and she's shaken a lot of this pollution and and stuff off of her. And then... You know, you notice like in L.A. now, there's no smog. Mm-hmm. The people in in India can see the Himalayas or the Himalayas. They haven't been able to see mm-hmm. those for 70 years, you know. And the list goes on and on and on. And I think the worst thing that, 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 that human beings ever did was to exploit Grandmother Earth and not take care of her. You know, we were taught that if you take something from her, you have to put something back. And never take more than what you need. But then you had the people that had this this mindset of, uh, oh, I can make a lot of money on this. They form corp- mm-hmm. they form corporations, and and they're they're the ones that are really raping her. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I believe like this uh, pause in the economy has cleared up, like you said, the a lot of the pollution. People haven't been driving. I don't know if people have been buying a lot of petroleum, but um, for their vehicles or whatever, two generators that they have in case that this may go even further, mm-hmm. that it has cleared up the skies. Um, I think it's also grounded a lot of planes from flying everywhere, you know. So, yeah, I, I believe that, it, you know, it was a good thing. Do you remember two years ago during uh, Standing Rock? Mm-hmm. That we were saying if we could all just sit still and not drive our vehicles, even if it was for a day, that yeah. it would help. Yeah. Maybe even close down close down some of these uh, petroleum industries. Well, we've been closed down for how long? Four weeks? Five weeks? Yeah. But they seem to be um, still holding strong. But I'm sure it's made a dent in their industry and in their business. As um, if- Hopefully, from as it should, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully that this continues on to where we just switch entirely to solar, mm-hmm. wind, and um, 
battery electric. Yeah, and, um, and water power. Power. Yeah, water power. And water height. Yes. Yeah. So, so from here, we just need to keep our, our um, feet grounded, keep our faith, our hopes up high, and our families and our hearts that we uh, move through this and that we move then from a from this place to a better place so that we could see things truly with our eyes uncovered and our hearts uncovered. In in our Diné tradition, we say this prayer, which is uh, beauty before us, beauty behind us, Mm -hmm. beauty beside us, beauty above us and beauty below us. Therefore, there is beauty within us. Yes. And within the, in, in this belief of beauty, we walk in that beauty. We walk in beauty, meaning that uh, we see with eyes of truth. We hear truth and only truth. We speak truth and we think that truth in that beauty way. So Absolutely. we need to go back to that old, old way of thinking, bringing that into this new paradigm. We were always taught as little boys that you respect your elders you always do good to people and if you have a disagreement sit down and talk about it if you can't sit down and talk about it like some of us boys did we got to fighting but that never mm-hmm. that never solved anything but one of the things i i i, I want to stress this point that everything that we have uh and everything that we may hope to have even the rubber for the tires on your car, the food that you eat, the shelter is made out of something that comes from, everything comes from Grandmother Earth. Nobody, mm-hmm. brought, nobody brought us anything from out of space. So we need to learn how to respect our grandmother and start doing right by her. And then things may, may change again. So, Kelvin, I want to play another tune song of your album, The Dance of Butterfly Badger Girl. Kelvin, what was the inspiration behind that tune? Oh my gosh, that uh, was—I um, thought of—I thought of that. Uh, wow, I can't even remember how long ago it was. Maybe like uh, twenty years ago or something. 
um, I had a niece during that time. She was five years old. And um, I remember one day when I went to go visit her, uh, her mom said, you know, you're here. Watch over Nika. Nika has some chores to do. And if you can uh, just, you know, watch over her and I'm going to go to the go shopping or something like that. And so she left the house. And uh, I remember Nika waking up and then, you know, her mom saying, you know, do the uh, clean the kitchen, clean your room, uh, vacuum the living room. Uh, and she said, OK. So she was like when she woke up, she said, uncle can you help me with my chores? And I said, sure, Nika. And uh, she said, go clean the kitchen and I'll, I'll clean my room. And I said, okay. So I, I cleaned the kitchen, did the washing of the dishes, uh, swept the floor, mopped and vacuumed the living room. And when I got that done, I went to go check on her to see where she was at. And I found her back in bed asleep with the TV on. <laughs> so uh, she comes uh, of half... Uh, Jeanette and half Hopi. Her uh-huh. father is Hopi. Uh-huh. And uh, so she has the clans of uh, butterfly and badger on the Hopi side. Oh. And uh, yeah. So um, uh, I found that song in, in what she was doing. Like she'd wake up real slowly as the song progresses. And then uh, she did her little dance. And then, and then the song ends as, as it fades away. <laughs> so uh, uh, that was their, her uh, her dance, Dance of the Butterfly Badger Girl. Well, you know what? Our nieces have a way of of uh, getting into our hearts and making us do everything. I know because I have granddaughters and great-granddaughters, and the stuff that they get away with, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta I, love those children. I know. I got my, 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 my great-granddaughter. You know, last time I saw her, she looked at me. She says, Grandpa? I said, yes, baby. Grandpa, can you buy me some ice cream? Anything you want. <laughs> Anything you want. Yeah. Spoil them. Yeah. Spoil them, I say. That's what we're supposed to do. I have a special message to all of you, my sisters and brothers, members of the human family that are listeners and supporters of the American Indian Indigenous Peoples Troops, and those of you that are supporters of WPFW. Although we are going through this pandemic, WPFW is not broken. However, we need your money to help us stay on the air and keep it running. So please go to WPFWFM.org or call 800-222-9739 or 202-588- 9739. Those numbers are again 800 222 9739 or 202 588 9739 and make a financial donation to your station, our station. So go to your phone or your computer and make that pledge now. Thank you. Kelvin, I want to ask you one more thing. What are your plans for the future with your music and with uh, helping your people get through this this COVID-19 mess? Oh, I think um, with the COVID-19, just to wait it out, keep yourself healthy, Mm -hmm. um, strengthen your immune system, 
um, bring up your pH in your body. Mm -hmm. uh, drink some lime tea. Uh, mm -hmm. Avocado is great. Um, anything that will uh, bring up your pH in your body so it strengthens your immune system. Um, take some vitamin C. Sit out in the sun by yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. You I know? did that earlier today. Take that sun. You know, that's your, your father up there. That's Takes right. care of you. So uh, that cleanses as well. But with music, um, I'm working with uh, my friend Renek Turley uh, on recording some new music, which is more of a meditational feel. Uh -huh. uh, we just uh, completed a 40-minute recording, which is which has been done live, um, and it has a great feel to it. So as soon as we uh, get back together, because he has side projects happening as well, so it uh -huh. may take another week for us to uh, release that. But um, my latest recording, which was done about two years ago, is called Night Echo Starseed. I got that. I and played it, yeah. And that has, I mean, you can find all my recordings under Kelvin Mockingbird um, or uh, Kelvin Bizahalani um, on Spotify or Pandora Radio, YouTube. I have YouTube videos uh, mm -hmm. of me performing live. Um, so hopefully we can get this um, med meditation music uh, with piano and flute and cello out pretty soon. Um, Renick and I are working with our good friend, Courtney Yates, uh, who is an amazing cellist. So mm -hmm. we're very excited about this. It's just that, uh, the COVID-19 is keeping us apart. So we're, we're trying to figure out, find out or, or find a way where we can record, record all of this together. Well, I'm going to wish you and your people out there in Navajo the very best as we all go through this COVID-19. And uh, my prayers are always with you and your people. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you again in the very near future, not just on the radio, but as we talk as brothers on the telephone. And when I come to Arizona, I'm going to find you. <laughs> yeah. Good to have you with us. I will. Okay. Um, brother. Yes, sir. And thank you for having me on your radio broadcasting show here, um, spreading the word out and being conscious and cautious about many things that are, you know, mm -hmm. revolving around us in this in this world that we live in. Absolutely. Uh, keep your keep your hopes up, keep your love alive, and um, stay awake. There you go. Dick Gregory used to say, "Stay woke." <laughs> stay woke. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Kelvin, thank you so much, bro, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay, brother. From the Atlantic.com archives, dated May 8, 2020, by Adam Serwer, I would like to share part of that article. Ahmad Arbery went out and never came home. Two white racist murderers, Gregory and Travis McMichael, who saw Arbery running through their neighborhood just outside of Brunswick, Georgia, and who told authorities they thought he was a burglary suspect, armed themselves, pursued Arbery, and then shot him dead. The local prosecutor, George E. Barnhill, concluded that no crime had been committed. As a video of the shooting emerged on social media, a different Georgia prosecutor, 
announced that the case would be put to a grand jury. The two white racist men were arrested and charged with murder only after the video of the incident sparked national outrage across the political spectrum. Clearly, American history shows that it has had a racial contract on everyone that is not English since the inception of the so-called Republic of the United States, which dates back to 1620, when the first arrival of enslaved Africans, America's original sin. Mass murder, dispossession of homelands, and rape were regular features of this contract. As long as the benefits of this sordid history remain invisible to the enriched racial caste, all is well. But with the advent of this administration, it has suddenly become fashionable to be a racist again, murder again, and theft of property again. The article goes on to point out that many red state governors are pushing to reopen their states without sufficient testing to contain their outbreaks. There is no known vaccine or cure. Documented deaths are already approaching and may soon exceed 100,000. Yet the Trump administration is poised to declare mission accomplished, engaging in doublespeak, treating the pandemic as though the major risks have passed, while rhetorically preparing the country for thousands more deaths. It would appear that 100,000 to 150,000 American deaths are acceptable to him. The worst case scenarios may not come to pass. The president appears to believe that he has little to lose by gambling with the lives, thousands of lives, of those most likely to be affected. We can't keep our country closed down for years, Trump said. Maybe, but really? Is that the only reason that this idiot is thinking about the economy? What about we the people, you damn lunatic? We now have a dire choice. Give me liberty or give me death, literally. But who is making the choice? Who is forced to take the gamble? Whose life is at risk? And who will pay the ultimate price to save the economy? The racial contract is not partisan. It guides staunch conservatives and sensitive liberals alike. But it works most effectively when it remains imperceptible to all of its beneficiaries. As long as it's invisible, members of society can proceed as though the provisions of the social contract apply equally to everyone. But we know such is not and has never ever been the case. People of goodwill will claim with a completely clean conscience that they never ask for the privileges of race and class. They are the beneficiaries nevertheless. As long as they're invisible, there's no problem, right? When a case like Arbery's comes along, these same innocents can claim those people are not like me. The coronavirus epidemic has rendered the racial contract visible in multiple ways. Once the disproportionate impact of the epidemic was revealed to the American political and financial elite, many began to regard the rising death toll less as a national emergency than as an inconvenience. That more and more Americans are dying was less important than who was dying. 
Our writer concludes the president's cavalier attitude is at least in part a reflection of his fear that the economic downturn caused by the coronavirus will doom his political fortunes in November. But what connects the rise of the anti-lockdown protests? The president's dismissal of the carnage predicted by his own administration and the eagerness of governors all over the country to reopen the economy before developing the capacity to do so safely is the sense that those they consider regular folks will be fine. Regular folks mean white folks. I think that's obvious. Many of them will be. But people like Ahmad Arbery, whose lives are depreciated by the terms of racial contract, will not. Remember Malcolm X said once, to bring about the freedom of us by any means necessary. I'm Jay Winner Nightwolf, and thank you for being a part, the most important part, of my broadcast today. This is the American Indian Indigenous People's Truths, justice for all, and I do mean all, the most dangerous show on radio. WPFW 89.3 FM, Washington. And remember, if you want to continue to hear the Nightwolf broadcast on WPFW, help us out. I know we're going through this very serious crisis of the pandemic of COVID-19. But if you have a little bit of extra change or a couple extra dollars, make a donation to WPFW on behalf of the Night Wolf Show. Pick up the phone and call 1-800-222-9739 or 202-588-9739. Let me repeat those numbers again. 1-800-222-9739 or 202-588-9739 and make a donation to WPFW. Or go to your computer now and type in wpfwfm.org and click on Donate Now. I'll talk to you again next week. I love you all, all of you, even those of you that make it almost impossible to love. I love you anyway. Nanada, goai, wado. to live in peace with the Indian, he can live in peace. There need be no trouble. Treat all men alike. Give them all the same law. Give them all an even chance to live and grow. You might as well expect the rivers to run backward, as that any man who was born a free man should be contented when penned up and denied liberty to go where he pleases. We only ask an even chance to live as other men live, 
We ask to be recognized as men. Let me be a free man, free to travel, free to stop, free to work, free to choose my own teachers, free to follow the religion of my fathers, free to think and talk and act for myself.